Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. How many love this guy right here? And, and, and Angie, I just saw her like two hands waving. So, man, I love Josh Haas, and he is such a huge part of Upper Room. He's the assistant pastor, the counselor, the genius, the, the Danny Silk um, uh, protege, as well as Anderson Cooper lookalike. So, um, anyways, we love Josh Haas, and I'm telling you, he has a heart to pastor people and see people be healthy. So we're excited for him to continue part two of the vision for this year. Love you, man. Love you, too. All right. Well, I wanted to uh, kind of continue the series um, that we've been going with as we started talking about vision for 2019. And uh, just by the way, I was just thinking about this side subject. Don't you feel so blessed to live in Ohio? I mean, I mean. I was just thinking, we always have something to talk about. Like, weather is always a topic. Those poor people in San Diego, they, are, they don't have anything to talk about ever. It's always the same, every day, all the time. So, I owe. <laughs> yeah, we're so blessed. So pray for San Diego, because they just have to suffer through the same weather all the time. But, um, yeah, welcome to the series. Um, I was just, it just really struck me as Aaron, um, early in December, was talking about what he, what we were going to kind of focus on and what the um, theme was going to be for the new year, and he said it was going to be vision, and I thought, wow, that's really cool, because you know, um, I think um, next year is, is going to be uh, the time when all the prophets start saying it's going to be the year of vision, because it's 2020 next year. 2020 is going to be the perfect vision year. So we're really ahead of the game right now. We're really like cutting edge on the, on, the, on the edge of everything. And honestly, 2019 vision is better than perfect. Because 2019, you know, if, if they measured that, it's a, it's, we're just a little bit past what the perfect vision would be. So we're moving ahead in this. Um, I wanted to mention um, a few things about vision and about dreams. Dreams and vision, they're two different things that kind of go hand in hand together. And um, there is a difference between a dream and a vision. This is what uh, Acts 2, 17 says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. There's a difference between a dream and a vision, okay? And, and this, is, this is actually quoting Joel. And, and in, in Joel, it actually reverses. It says dreams first and then visions second. I don't know why they switched them. But there's a difference between a dream and a vision. And there's a reason that young men have visions and old men have dreams. I don't know which one I am yet, but I'm working toward the dreams. <laughs> um. Now, speaking spiritually about dreams and visions, so I want to talk about dreams like the kind that you have when you fall asleep, you know, not just I'm, I'm fantasizing about something, but I'm actually, the dreams that I have when I, when I fall asleep, there's a contrast between them 
and visions it. You can even have a vision while you're asleep. Dreams tend to be need interpretation. They're symbolic. Okay? So I have a dream, and, and I don't have any idea what it means. I need to spend some time figuring out what it's about. A vision would tend to be more literal. A vision would be, if you see that in your dream, it's exactly what's going to happen, exactly what God is trying to tell you. So an example, if I'm asleep and I have a dream that I'm going to become president, okay, that would require some interpretation. All right? Maybe what it means is I'm going to be increasing in, in authority. I'm going to be increasing in my position of power. Okay? Um, there's something happening. If I have a vision, whether I'm awake or asleep, that I'm going to become president, that means I'm going to become president. Visions tend to be literal. They don't require the same kind of in interpretation. Okay? Um, so in the natural, you know, take outside the spirit. So if I have a, I'm dreaming of something in the natural, I'm dreaming maybe I want to one day become a pastor. And I'm just kind of thinking, what, what would that be like? I wonder what it would be if I became a pastor one day. But if I have a vision to become a pastor, I'm actually thinking, all right, here are the steps that I'm going to take to pursue that that I'm going to go after that. Vision actually gives us a direction, a point, to make these dreams come true. So the point is, um, if you have a dream, you're probably going to need some vision for that to come true. You're going to need some vision, some figuring out to do to get to that dream. Here's some uh, differences that I wanted to, to kind of help you so you can understand it. Dreams are more symbolic and tend to require interpretation while visions are more literal and tend to require action. But both of them are going to require faith. Both dreams and visions will require you to step out in faith. <clears throat> A dream um, is partnering with God to creatively imagine the possibility of something good happening. A vision is partnering with God to plan for a way that it could happen. Okay? So you see the difference. If I have a dream, a vision really helps me accelerate and move toward getting that dream to come true. So let's say, for example, I have a dream um, that I would like to see somebody get healed. And I'm just imagining how cool that would be and how fun it would be to see somebody get healed. I want to see, you know... I want to see blind eyes open or something like that, okay? And I'm just kind of dreaming about it. I'm thinking about it, and it's a, a great exercise to do, to spend time thinking about what crazy, miraculous, amazing things God, God might want to do, okay? But having a vision of seeing somebody get healed, I'm going to actually think, all right, I'm going to go out, and, and anytime I see, see a blind person, I'm going to go ask them if I can pray for them. I've got some direction on how to, how to walk toward that, make that happen, to achieve that, Okay? So I can dream all I want, but if I have no vision for it, I'm not moving really toward that dream. The dream could fall in my lap. It could happen. But vision will accelerate your dreams. Visions, visions will help all of those wonderful dreams, that list that you guys made last week, all of that stuff. Vision will help that dream come true. All right? Now, for some of us, um, some of us have a clear path. Let me tell you about vision. Some of us have a clear path, and we know exactly our vision is so far ahead. We can see way down the road. That's where our vision is going. We know exactly what we want to do. We want to know what we're going to be sitting in the rocking chair 
looking back and said, that was a great run I had on life. That was amazing. Okay? For others of us, our vision has a few curves in the road. Right? We're going down the road, and all I can see, well, I know that turn is coming up, okay? And, you know, I've got this, I've got this issue in my life. I've got this problem happening. I've got these other things. I've got these obstacles that I can't see as far down the road, okay? So your vision is as far down the road as you can see. That's your vision. You can dream out all you want to get to that goal, but your vision is just as far down the road that you can see. Now, if you have curves in your road, if you've got a mountain in the middle of the road and, and you can't see past that, that, isn't, that doesn't mean that you don't have faith. That doesn't mean that there's an issue or a problem with you. That means that's just as far as you can see. Okay? So we all try to have vision, but you never know what God's going to do. You never know what's going to happen. So you think it's a straight path, and all of a sudden God throws this curve in the road. A missionary shows up and tells you, about Kamchatka, and you all of a sudden get a heart for Kamchatka, and you've got to go there and move there. You never thought about that before, but this curve in the road just showed up, and, and you just realized this is what made you come alive. So vision is as far as we can see down the road, what we're pursuing, what we're going after. Now, for some of us, <coughs> as far as the vision that we can see right now is to survive. Okay? That's as far as the vision for some of us as we can get. That is still vision, but that's as far as we can get. I was looking for an example in scripture um, of this about how, I want you to take a look at this scripture. And it's, it's quite a few verses, but, but I think you'll get the point. Of somebody who comes in with their vision is basically to survive, and then how God expands that, how God activates that and turns into something different. This is from uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to start with verse 7. This is about um, the prophet Elijah and a widow. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The word of the Lord came to him. Go to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. That's how far her vision went, okay? Her vision for her life was, I'm going to get some sticks. I've got a little bit of flour, and this is as far down the road as I see. What do I see after that? Death, okay? That's as far as she could see. So I want you to think about that. For some of us, you're kind of going like Aaron's like saying, dream, dream, dream. And you're like, I can only see this. I've got, I've got a pile of sticks here that I can gather and a little bit of flour. And that's it. And I don't know what to do with my life. And you're telling me to dream. My dream is maybe I can stretch this flour and have two meals before I die. Right? And so I want you to see what happens as somebody else steps into the picture, as, as Elijah steps into the picture, 
and partners with this woman. And, on, and to tell you, this woman is just telling you how it is. She's just telling the truth. She's not being, a, you know, she's not trying to be a pessimist. She's not trying to be a downer. She's like, this is what I got, okay? This is all I have. Verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me, from what you have, bring it to me, then make something for yourself and your son. Now, I want to pause there for just a second, verse 13. You've got to understand, Elijah had to have incredible faith to tell a starving woman to give him some bread. Like, you don't do that if you don't have a lot of faith that God's going to do something. You don't tell somebody who's starving, who's on their last meal, hey, give me a, give me a bite. You don't do that unless you know God's going to do something or you're just really purely evil, okay? So Elijah knew something good was going to happen. Verse 14, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now, there's more to the story. You can go back and read it later. It continues. But that's the whole point that I wanted to get to this morning is <clears throat> her immediate dream when she came into the situation was get by, survive one day, and then we'll probably die. That's as far down the road as she could see. And yet somebody else came into her life who could see further. Somebody else with vision came into her life and saw something more and challenged her and said, come into this, come in this partner with me, and we'll see how far this thing can go. We'll see how far down the road this can go. Faith, he brought, he brought faith with him. Faith will expand your dreams and clarify your vision. She didn't have that much faith, but she had somebody come along with her to partner in that who did have faith. There was no shame on this woman because she, just, she was just where she was, but she knew who to hang around with. She could have said, no way, I'm not giving you any bread. I'm about to die. Don't you see that? But, but you know, she kind of like, you know what? I don't have anything to lose. Maybe I die a few hours earlier. So what? Here, take it. Take the bread. We'll see what happens. And it actually worked out. Now, what was required of the, of the widow? She had to put her vision in the hands of God. She couldn't see past that curve in the road. She couldn't see what was going to happen. So she had to say, all right, God, this is as far as I can see but I'm going to remove that I'm going to die part out of the equation, and we'll just do this next part and see where it goes, okay? So I'm going to take this pessimism. I'm going to take whatever that part was that was saying, this isn't going to work out well. I'm just going to say, all I can actually see is gather sticks and make bread. That's, all, that's the furthest I can see down the road. So I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to do that, and I'm just going to trust what's going to happen next. I'm not going to think about dying. I'm not going to think anything else. I can see what's right in front of me, and that's what I'm going to go after. I'm going to do that, and we're going to see where it goes. Um, and 
you know, what was required of her wouldn't necessarily seem like much to us, but it was pretty much everything to her. And I want to say that's really kind of how it felt when I came here. I had a few sticks, a little bit of flour, we were going to cook it here, and then I'd probably die somewhere. That, that's about what was going to happen. We were so burnt out. We were just such a, a, a difficult place. And I've spoke on that before, so I won't go into to too much detail about that, but we were in a rough spot. I had no real vision for this, where this was going to go. And in fact, I was really worried about getting around optimistic people because I thought I was going to bring them down. I thought if I tell them how I really feel about this, they're going to lose all their optimism and I'm going to contaminate this church <laughs> and everybody's going to be a mess because of me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but my vision was to come to every church, sit in the back row every Sunday, and get by, and hopefully my kids would get something good out of it. That was pretty much what I was hoping for. But then we came in, and we put our vision in the hands of Aaron and Cole. We put our vision in their hands, and they start dreaming these things. They start asking us to do crazy stuff like leading ministries and doing crazy things like that. We put our vision in their hands, and all of a sudden, we could only see to the curve. We could only see to this hill. You know, we couldn't see the long term, but we put it in their hands, and all of a sudden, things started happening. All of a sudden, we started moving towards something. All of a sudden, momentum started building. And there's something funny that happens when you get around a person of vision. You start to realize you've got some vision. When you get around health, you start to find yourself getting healthy again. And something happened. I realized I still had dreams. And the truth was, those dreams never disappeared. They never even really died. They just got buried really, really deep. Like I didn't it wasn't like my dreams just disappeared. It wasn't like I didn't have any dreams anymore. I just couldn't look at them anymore. I just couldn't think about those dreams anymore. And so um, I really believe wherever you are, even if you feel like I can't dream, there's, I have no dreams, you tell me to write down on this paper what my dreams are and nothing's coming out, I really believe you have dreams. You're just really scared to look at them right now. Here are a few signs that you can have that um, your dreams are buried. Fear. You're afraid to dream, like I just said. I'm not afraid of something that isn't there. I'm afraid of something that is there. Okay? I'm not afraid of a tiger running around in this room. I'm afraid if I'm locked in the zoo cage with a tiger. Okay? So I'm not afraid of dreams that I don't have. I'm afraid of dreams that I do have not coming true. That's what I get scared of. Okay? Second one is you're irritated by dreamers and people with hope. They're just so irritated. How can they have so much hope? They're dreaming all the time. You just don't know how life is. You just don't understand. If you knew, if you had the experience I did, you know you shouldn't dream. You're going to die. Don't you understand that? Gather your sticks and cook some flour and die. Another, another sign is you spend a lot of time about thinking about everything that could go wrong instead of everything that could go right. Now, I want to differentiate, okay? Some of us are administrative, okay? There need to be visionaries. There need to be administrators, okay? So administrators are always thinking, all right, but did you think about this? Did you think about this? Did you think about this? That can be healthy as long as you're not trying to crush the dreamers, okay? Administrators serve a purpose. 
early on when Aaron and I were ministering together, he had this great vision to have movie on the lawn night, okay? And I thought, hey, great, we'll, we'll make this work, we'll put it together. And he said, and we're going to do a double feature, and we're going to start it at 7 o'clock, and this is the middle of summer. And I said, Aaron, nobody's going to be able to see the picture at 7 o'clock. Oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. So, all right, okay, all right, if you say so. I stepped back and waited. He, he, he texts or calls me later on, you know, a few days later, and, and he's like, it's 8.30 now, and it's really light out. You're probably right. I said, okay, <laughs> okay. But I, I didn't want to trample his dream as I'm doing it, right? And that's what we have to do is, is nothing big ever happens without a dreamer, but nothing at all ever happens without an administrator, okay? <laughs> And so, and so we got to partner together. So what an what a, an administrator can do is come in and say, okay, I'm going to give you time to dream, let it out, and you let me know when you're ready for some ideas that I have, some thoughts that I have. What a dreamer can do is come in and say, dream, and they'll, they'll dream, they'll, they'll throw everything out, and then they'll go back and say, all right, give me some reasons why this might not work, okay? Asking for feedback. Feedback is a wonderful thing. Another one is um, you're jealous when you see somebody else's dream come true, okay? Now, I have, um, I don't get jealous of LeBron James because that's not something I think I could ever achieve. As hard as I might practice basketball, as hard as I might work at it, um, I'm five foot nine, okay? I don't see it working out. But I do, there's a, there's a guy named uh, Charles Cowan, and um, I've been involved in what's called the Life Academy, Danny Silk's Life Academy. If you don't know Danny Silk, he's, uh, he was involved with Bethel Church. He's now in Sacramento, California. He's who we base all of our parenting stuff on, our culture of honor. There's a guy named Charles Cowan who is involved in this uh, class that I was in, an online class, and Danny met him, and Danny's just like so excited about, you know, with the direction this guy was going, the things that he taught sounded just like the things Danny taught. And as I'm hearing this, I'm thinking, I'm like that. Well, Danny, Danny like brings him in and invites him to teach with him and, and interviews him online and everything. And I start to get, why, why him and not me, God? What's the deal here? So if you f feel yourself getting jealous of people's success, it's because you crush that dream down. You've got a dream there that you're not feeling. And you're a little jealous because they dared to dream it. They dared to have vision to take the steps to go after it. So, um, as some dreams start to come true for me, I also found that more fears would come true as well. Okay? Like you start to dream and you think you got lucky when that one came true, but now I, that came true, and now I'm accountable to figure out how to do this. I was dreaming, I started to dream to be a pastor here, and then I became a pastor. Oh no, my dream came true. Now I gotta do it, right? And so, um, so let me tell you um, how I finished um, 2017 into, into 18. Um, in, um, end of July, beginning of August, we were in Georgia. How many of you here were, um, it was just a little over a year ago, I preached it in September, I had the fitting in message. Remember that? Okay, if you don't, you're in for a little bit of treat, little little uh, trip down memory lane. 
I was going to this, this cabin with a bunch of the, the guy pastors from Upper Room. We're going to um, Atlanta for a conference. And as I'm getting ready to go, I'm telling Angie, I'm just feeling so inadequate. We've got these, these amazing guys. And here are some of the slides that I, I showed to kind of illustrate that. So I was going with Aaron Simmons, <laughs> right? You know, you know, he's just such an amazing visionary guy. And then we also had with us Greg Simmons, <laughs> the founder of the church, just, you know, just really accelerating things here, just started something brand new. Then Matt Simmons was there. <coughs> Fire department, so confident, so great. And then Steve Bowen was there. <coughs> you know, this is worldwide adventurer. He's constantly traveling, constantly got these amazing things going. Then we had Micah Level. <coughs> he goes on airplanes and starts preaching the gospel. And I was really intimidated. I'm thinking, what do I have to bring to this group? And I'm here, this is me. <laughs> okay. And that's how I felt. And then I, I sat in this. I was with these guys, and we bonded. And I, like, we just, you know, came together. And I g began to realize my place, that I didn't have to be those guys. I had to be who God made me to be. And so I was free to be a pastor at Upper Room. I was free to walk in my gifts and really benefit from their gifts and recognize they are, they are better at a lot of things than I am because I need them, but I'm better at some things than they are, and they need me too. And so when I came into that, when I realized I don't have to be everything, I just have to be a piece in the puzzle, a part of the team, it was so liberating. It was so freeing. It freed me up to dream even more, and it gave me some more vision about exactly the target that I'm aiming at. I'm not aiming at what Micah's aiming at. I'm not aiming at what Steve's aiming at. I'm not aiming at what Matt or anybody else is aiming at. I'm aiming at what Josh Haas is aiming at. Because if I don't hit that target, nobody else is going to. Nobody else is going to be able to go after that. So um, after that, I, I started to embrace my dreams. I think like I was just starting to hit the stride um, later that, that November. Um, we were with the, with the Levels and Aaron and Nicole in uh, Reading. And I was just feeling like, man, this is so, I know my place. I value what they bring. I feel like just so good being at this place. And I know Aaron and Nicole have talked about recently um, how 2018 was really rough for them. It was like the best year we, Angie and I ever had. It was amazing. It was so great. We traveled more than we have ever traveled. I think I counted like five legitimate different states. I'm not talking like going to Kentucky. Like, we went, you know, California, and, and we went to Minnesota, and we went all over the place. And I went to another country. I, I, I went to Europe with Steve Bowen, and uh, my son Caleb finished his Eagle Scout project. And, yeah, that was, that was great. And um, we, we went to a couple of more national parks and checked those off our list. And my role at the church increased, the significance increased. It was just like the best year for increase for us, acceleration in every direction, financially, everything that I'd ever been in. And so we go into this, and as, as the year's coming to a, a close, um, I mentioned who Danny Silk is um, a minute ago. And if you don't know him, um, good, good idea to look him up. But Angie and I, he's like our favorite, you know, 
you can you can give any other teacher, any other person, um, you know, you could talk about Billy Graham, you could talk about Mother Teresa, you know, Rollin and Heidi Baker, you could talk about Bill Johnson, any of those uh, wonderful people, but the one that we really draw from, because he just speaks to the, to the direction that we go as pastoral, is Danny Silk. And so right around my birthday, in August, um, we, kind of, we booked a trip for a, a Life Academy. As I mentioned, I was part of the Life Academy. We booked a trip for one of their um, conferences up in Minneapolis. And um, so we're excited about that. We actually, the, the, we booked it on my birthday in August, and it was scheduled for Angie's birthday in October. So it was kind of something we got to do for both of us. And um, as, we, as we do it, I knew that there was like a, a private lunch for the class members. And so as I go in there, um, I'm thinking this is going to be really fun because we get to meet Danny in person and kind of, you know, talk about that. And I'm picturing a, a room of maybe 30 people who are in the class or something like that. So we get in there, and um, they're having the lunch, and there's Danny sitting at one of the tables, like signing books to, to give to us. To give, and, and there are like four other people in there and us. And we're like, wow. So we all sit at the same table, and pretty soon Danny comes over, and it's just him and us at this little round table. And we're like, this is amazing. And so I'm here with Danny. I'm asking him questions. Like, like I'm, the, I'm like the only one talking pr pretty much. Like, I'm asking him all the questions, you know, given, you know, given the, these things. And he's just, you know, going back and forth. And we're like, this is so cool. This is like a dream tr come true for us to, to be doing this. So we're thinking, we're thinking, man, can it get any better, God? Can it get any better? You know, this is like our dreams being fulfilled, and this is about as far as we really had vision for at the time. And so um, the next day, they, um, you know how a lot of conferences, they'll say, we've got some things to give away, you know, and they'll give away certain things. Well, they said, is it anybody's birthday? Well, Angie's birthday. She got like this $75 course they gave her that day. And so we're thinking, this is great. This is amazing. Well, a little bit later, Brittany Serple, who's Danny's daughter, comes up to us, and she says, hey, would you guys be willing to come up on stage and, and talk about the, the Life Academy classes? I'm like, yeah, that's like bucket list stuff. Come on the stage, Danny, Danny Silk sharing stuff. Yeah, I think I could do that. And so we got to come up on stage, and it was just us and one other person, and, uh, and that's Brittany on the right, and just share about the Life Academy. Now, now pretty soon... Like, we're celebrities there. They're asking me what I think about the courses and the classes when, we're, when they're, they're checking out and stuff. And we're like, this is so cool. And so, um, so after that, um, we're just like, God, can this get any better? This is so amazing. Like, that was like, that was like almost a dream that I, I couldn't even articulate to be able to stand on stage. And so um, my, the last day, I knew we'd have to leave um, before the before lunch, or at lunch, and so um, my goal, my vision, the whole vision I had for the day was to be able to get selfies with all of the speakers, okay, that was my vision for the day, all right, and so um, this is Nicole Sudhuff, she, um, she led one of the online classes that I was in, and this is Katie Ann Browning, she was one of the speakers that day, um, this is Bob Hassan. He um, wrote The Business of Honor, really good book, especially if you're in the business at all. 
This is uh, Brittany Serple. She's Danny's daughter, and she also leads the parenting now. And then this is Sherry Silk, Danny's wife. And so I was, I'm, I'm doing this. I got all of this, and I'm thinking, this is great. And then we go up to Danny, and, and I saw nobody's around him. Um, he was getting ready to go to lunch. And I go up to him. I said, hey, Danny, we, we're not going to be here for the last session. Is there any way we could get a selfie before we go? And he says, oh, well, actually, I was wanting to talk to you guys. I said, I'll miss my flight. I don't care. Whatever you need. <laughs> and Angie's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, and he said, well, can, you got time for lunch? And I said, yeah, we got time for lunch. We can do that. So we go into the lunch place, and, um, and he said, and we come in, and Sherry, his wife, is in there, and, and the group of speakers sitting around the table, so we're trying to find our spot. And Sherry's like, no, 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 Danny wants to sit at this table with just you. I'm like, oh, wow, this is getting real. I said, okay. So um, we're having this conversation, and he asked me the question. He says, so how can I help you? And I tell you, I was not ready for that question. Like, I'm thinking, you help me? How can you help me? I thought you were going to tell me how I could help you. And so I said a few things, like, you know, give me insight, give me wisdom, check in or something like that. And then we continue the conversation, and Angie sneaks off and takes this picture to prove that it was true. <laughs> and, um, and then um, it came to me, and I said, well, Danny, I'd like you to, why don't you challenge me? That's something I'd like you to do. And he said, okay, I want you to take the things that you've done in the church, and I want you to find opportunities outside of the church to do those things, whether it's parenting or honor or those kinds of things. I said, okay, all right, we'll see, we'll see, uh, you know, I'm going to go out and, and see what I can do about that. And so then to make things uh, complete, I did get my selfie. <laughs> all right. And as we're leaving, I said to Angie, may this not be the pinnacle. May this not at all be the pinnacle. And as we were there, he asked if I would want to be a part of, of like a really select group that he calls the Champions and Aces. And we, Angie and I were just pinching ourselves. I mean, you know, name whatever name, whatever teacher, whatever celebrity you can think of. It could have been anybody else. For us, this was like the person we would love to meet. And then he's asking for us to be a part, to, to come in a little bit closer in the circle. And... <laughs> You know, as, as I was doing that, what I found out, I found this to be true. And this is, uh, this is the Passion Translation um, of Ephesians 3.20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. My vision at the time was to have a selfie. That was my vision. That's as deep as it went for me. But what I found out is, as, as we kept going deeper, I realized I had a dream. And so you think... There was a temptation. You think that if it was hard when I was around the guys here, what do you think it was like when I was near Danny Silk? If inadequacy was going to stir up 
at any point. It was going to stir up at that point. Okay? And so, um, but something happened to me. Something happened to me um, when I got in to a healthy environment here that helped me be in front of Danny and uh, realize that I could dream, that I could. See, when your value is not tied up in whether or not your dreams come true, or if you have vision for those dreams, it's much easier to have dreams and get vision for those dreams. If my value's not in the dream, but I know that's just one way that God could kiss me. That's just one way that God could show me that he loves me. But if that doesn't happen, I have to know that he's going to bring something else. I have to know that there's something else because he's good. Dreams are there for us to dream, to give opportunities for him to say he loves us, but they're not there to prove us valuable. Our value is there before we even start dreaming. And he knows better and bigger than we could ever think of what, what our dream should be. See, all of us have certain desires in our hearts, and desires are not bad. Dreams um, reflect those desires. And these are different areas. It's a little deeper teaching, but these are different desires that dream, all of our dreams will point to. But ultimately, our real desire, whatever your desire is, a new sports car, you know, um, to save your marriage, to see your kids and your family get saved, whatever those desires are, are really ultimately your desire is Jesus. So your dream can never take the place of Jesus. If your dream is in place for a way to, for him to show you that he loves you, then it's going to work out because he'll find something else. Even if you're, if you're with somebody and they give you the wrong Christmas present, but it, but it works out, you still know they love you, right? And it wasn't exactly what you expected, but you still know they love you. It doesn't change. But if your whole definition is, is if I don't, don't get the right present, I'm not cared for. I'm not loved. Then there's something wrong. Then you're missing the whole point of the connection. I have, um, you know, I have a, a friend that I know who is millionaire many times over. And he starts businesses and he sells them. That's how he makes his money. And um, he told me one day, like, you talk about a dreamer. He dreams, he dreams weird, crazy, wild stuff. And he told me, he said, you know what, 90% of the things I think about the business I try to start, the dreams I have, don't ever work out, don't ever go anywhere. He said, but that 10% that does work out makes up way more than all the ones that didn't. And what I realized is the difference between him and most people is he's not afraid to have some dreams not come true to get to the big one that will come true. And so you go, you, you just go after that knowing that God is good, that he's provided, and that whatever happens, it is okay to dream. Dreams just, uh, if that's an invitation of an opportunity for God to kiss you. And he may kiss you another way than you thought, but it's still an invitation for that. Um, and so as you dream, ask the Lord to give you vision. Ask for vision for other people's dreams to come true. That's a great way for you to start to accelerate in your own dreams and visions. That's one of the reasons I think I'm a pastor, because I cared more about Aaron's and Nicole's dreams coming true than try to bring my agenda to the church. Another reason I have the microphone right now is because I didn't need the microphone. 
Like, I didn't have to prove myself with a microphone. He gave it to me because he could trust me with it. Because as soon as he asks for his back, it's, it's right to him. And if I don't get it, if I go two years, three years, ten years without getting a microphone, it doesn't define me. I don't have to have it. Second thing is, ask for vision of the things that you control. Like things that I can do to move toward those dreams. What can I practically do to go toward dreams that I'm having? Third one is, ask for vision for things that you can't do without God. Okay? Some things you can't control. You need God to step in and give you his grace and mercy and power to make those dreams come true. And the last one is, ask for vision for things you can't do without other people. That's the hard one. Because I can trust God, but I know that people are going to let me down once in a while. But that's how God made us. He made us to function with other people. He made us to be interconnected. And it, and it just overjoys his heart when we walk with other people in that. Well, let me tell you a little bit um, about my dream for Upper Room. And then I'll tell you about my vision. Here are some of my dreams for Upper Room. I dream that Upper Room becomes a place where it becomes shocking that a couple would, would ever come here and, and decide to get divorced. I dream that Upper Room become a place that um, anyone, any guy who is dealing with pornography, it's actually surprising, because it's not surprising right now. I dream that this be a place where people, when they are still struggling, that it's okay, too. Because it's rare doesn't mean that there's, there's pressure that you can't have issues, right? I dream that those things that are common in the world that are bad are uncommon in here. And I dream that that spread from here to the region and beyond. That it's not just stuck here, but we can start something and, and, and let that ignite. But here's my vision. Okay, that's my dream. Those are things I dream. I don't, I don't exactly know how all that's going to come true, but here's part of my vision. My vision is that I begin to shift from leading ministries to leading leaders. Okay? And so that as leaders come in, I can fuel them. I can see their insights, that they can do the things that I can do and do them better and bring insights and bring solutions to these things, bring godly collective mind of Christ to these issues that come up that I wouldn't necessarily have on my own. That's my vision.